Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're here with a true champion of ensuring safe schools for all children. She's the executive director of the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network, a national advocate for equality and respect. Welcome to the EdCast, Dr. Eliza Byard. It's a pleasure to be here. I must admit, in looking at the GLSEN website, I wasn't sure where to begin as you guys are doing so much in terms of outreach from sports projects to PSAs, toolkits, political action. My assumption is that you're a busy woman. Take us through a typical day if that exists. <laughs> well, um, you know, first of all, I, it, it is true. Uh, Glisten is an organization that's really committed to making sure that the whole school serves the whole child in K through 12 settings. So. Um, there are critical facets to that that our, our programming tries to address. We really, um, you know, in terms of my own responsibilities, uh, days vary widely. But, um, you know, everything that we do is, um, we think about in terms of sort of four pillars of the school experience. Safety, uh, respect, health and healthy development, and uh, leadership opportunity for every student in a K through 12 setting. And so my job, one, I manage Glisten as an organization with a staff of 40 headquarters in New York and uh, public policy office in DC and 34 local chapters across the country, places ranging from uh, down East Maine to Washington State and from uh, Michigan down to Houston, Texas and um, Kansas City and uh, Tennessee. So there are people out there all across the country doing the work, and my job is to try to make sure that all of our efforts are headed in the right direction to really transform that K through 12 experience. You talk about some of your outreach, and some of your campaigns have been wildly successful and very funny too. The No Name Calling Week, Think Before You Speak, The Day of Silence. Tell us a little bit about some of these campaigns. How do they go from idea to implementation? Well, um, I appreciate we do try to bring some humor where appropriate to what we do. Um, really, we try to make sure that all of our programming is founded in an understanding of what is going to make the biggest difference to a student's experience. Um, I'll be speaking here later at the Asquith Forum, and you'll hear from my colleague, Dr. Joe Koskiew, who is the head uh, senior director for research and strategic initiatives at GLSEN. For 10 years now, we have looked at the student experience through our National School Climate Survey. And we've identified um, four components of four school-based interventions that can really improve outcomes for young people, um, having a, an explicitly, um, an explicit um, anti-bullying, anti-harassment policy that names sexual orientation and gender identity among the protected categories, having um, supportive faculty members identifiable by young people at the school, the presence of a gay-straight alliance or other student club, and an inclusive curriculum with accurate and appropriate depictions of LGBT people, history, and events. So we build our programs around trying to promote the presence of those interventions in schools and overall, trying to reduce the absolute ubiquitous rate of anti-LGBT language and behavior that we currently see in schools. Yeah, I recently saw on your website there's a count of how many times some of that poor language is used on Twitter and on Facebook. The, the Think Before You Speak campaign, is that it's an ad council campaign. It's the first ad council campaign ever on LGBT issues. And our goal is to reduce the unthinking use of um, 
of anti-LGBT language among 13 to 16-year-olds, starting really with the phrase, that's so gay, at least in the broadcast component. So we have PSAs featuring Wanda Sykes and Hilary Duff, um, and we will be doing some more broadcast PSAs shortly. And um, Think Before You Speak also points to uh, more pointed language, the use of terms like faggot and dyke, which are all too frequent in our schools, and then really to look at other places where students encounter the language, like on Twitter, um, and, and point out this is all over the place and it has consequences and please stop doing it. We were very excited to see some serious results in the first year and a half of that campaign. Now your talk is called LGBT Issues in K-12 Education. For someone who knows nothing about the work that you're doing, what are these issues? Mm, well, they show up in a lot of ways, but I think, you know, it's interesting that you phrase the question that way. Um, you know, GLSEN was founded 20 years ago at a time when schools generally did not acknowledge that there were gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender people present in the school community. And when the LGBT community was um, not engaging on youth and schools issues, because for many reasons, including the fear of controversy, and what becomes clear, I mean, anyone who spends time in a school will tell you at the most basic level that words like faggot and dyke are weapons of choice in the context of bullying, um, in the ways that students talk to each other. So as an absolutely basic matter, um, LGBT issues show up every day in school in the most negative of ways. But when you step back and look at the totality of the school experience, uh, there are so many ways that schools um, really uh, set the rules of the road for kids for so much of their lives. Young people in school learn how to be who they are, uh, how to express themselves, learn what's expected of them, and those expectations are conveyed in a way that really doesn't allow for the realities facing an LGBT person. So as we have a sports project, or think about the curriculum, or think about how a counselor, what assumptions a counselor makes when a student walks into their office. These are all places where LGBT issues do play out very powerfully. One other facet of it, of course, is the growing number of children entering school who have LGBT parents. So um, really, this is about a school community understanding the reality of the community that it serves. Now, are there any particular types of schools or geographic distinctions where these issues are particularly rampant? And conversely, where are you seeing the greatest measures of improvement? Charter schools, public schools, particular parts of the country? Mm. Well, by and large, one of the sort of simplest answers to that is that uh, particularly in rural areas, students, LGBT students, are much less likely to have access to the kinds of resources and supports that make a difference for them. Um, it's important to note, we looked at this in uh, our 2009 data, uh, charter schools are no better, not particularly worse, but no better at um, improving the experience of LGBT students. And, and just to be clear, 90 percent of LGBT students surveyed in our National School Climate Survey report having experienced physical, verbal, or sexual harassment at school in the past year. I mean, that's just this baseline nationwide. And um, we do see some places where there's progress, but I think, in general, it's easier to talk about the correlation between the interventions and better experiences um, than it is to really say this type of school. I will mention, I mean, I would say that um, independent schools early on 
were, were quicker to begin dealing with these issues. Um, and the National Association of Independent Schools um, was very engaged with Glisten at an early stage. But over time, um, particularly in terms of our work with the teachers unions, the NEA and the AFT, both of which are important partners for us, there is serious. There are serious efforts underway in public school systems to address these issues. Now, let's say someone did start a school and they realized uh, how important this issue was, and they approached Glisten. What would be your first step to making their school respectful? If we were starting from the bottom up, um, well, I think starting with the framework of. Uh, very clear policies and expectations for the community, um, then building on that framework by making sure that all of the adults in the school community understood what the expectations were, understood their responsibilities, understood what they were encouraged to do in terms of promoting an inclusive school culture. Um, and then once children actually came through the door, students came through the door at different ages, um, ensuring that school life reflected um, an acceptance and understanding and a, and a celebration of the fact that you have students of all kinds in that school and people of all kinds in that community and among them some are lesbian gay bisexual and transgendered having student clubs having your curriculum simply acknowledge the reality of different lives starting with family-based curriculum for kindergarten students and working up through um, what history we teach to high school years Dan Savage's It Gets Better project speaks to the LGBT youth from the voice of openly gay adults sharing a future that is better. It seems like your work is looking to make life better now for LGBT students rather than waiting until adulthood. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I think, um, and, and we are, I mean, I think It Gets Better is an incredible phenomenon of the real tragedy that the community was coming to terms with over the last six to nine months. But and we are, along with the Trevor Project, uh, the beneficiaries of It Gets Better. We Yes, we want schools to be healthy, supportive, effective learning environments now. Sometimes we talk about, you know, there are efforts in some places to have schools that are set up to be particularly uh, LGBT friendly, like, for instance, the Harvey Milk School in New York City with Hetrick Martin as the sort of agency around it. We see those as critical short-term interventions and our goal is the day when each member of every school community learns to respect and accept all people regardless of their sexual orientation or gender identity. It seems like educating youth on these issues is obviously a challenge. How important is celebrity or media exposure of openly gay students like in the show Glee to furthering your mission? Hmm. Well you know the interaction of the school experience and popular culture and celebrity culture is actually pretty complicated, I think, because on the one hand, it is extremely important for students to see um, openly gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender characters in popular culture, to know about uh, people they may look up to who are uh, LGBT or accepting of, or sort of celebrating of LGBT people. But at the same time, public comment and public controversy introduces LGBT issues into every community in this country and in some places it may create dialogue that can actually be painful 
for young people in schools. I mean, teachers often talk about how controversy on the front page about marriage equality can translate into debates in the hallway or conversations that might not have happened otherwise. So um, it is a double-edged sword, but overall, um, I think it just underscores how important it is for every adult in a school community to be prepared to deal even-handedly um, when these issues arise. Speaking of media, in 1996 you co-produced a Sundance film called Out of the Past. That's right. The film chronicled pivotal chapters in lesbian and gay history of the United States. Uh, in your lifetime of experiences and work with this movement, what are, what are your greatest highs and lows? Well, I do have to mention just with some sorrow that one of the great highlights of uh, working on Out of the Past was getting to interview the Reverend Peter Gomes, um, who has just passed away and who was a wonderful um, figure in the film, reading from the Day of Doom and talking about Michael Wigglesworth. Um, highs and lows. I, I would say that um, one of the challenges of this work is that some of the greatest moments of opportunity for advancement come from our greatest moments of tragedy. And certainly no one involved in LGBT youth work can look back on the last nine months without a slight feeling of your heart racing um, because it was so awful to live with the drumbeat of revelation as we learned about suicides of young people who may have been LGBT or who identified as LGBT, learned about the school experiences that may have contributed to their sense of despair, and have also lived through the fact that the public attention that came to the issue created a moment of horrific opportunity and a sense that those of us who work on these issues had to live up to the responsibility of the fact that these suicides had led to a greater possibility for change. And so the highs and lows really um, get linked together in a way that, that um, can be very challenging. I would say in some ways that the murder of Matthew Shepard, um, just to illustrate this, the murder of Matthew Shepard led to a tremendous spike in the number of Gay Straight Alliance student clubs across the country that Glisten was in contact with. Um, and then again, the, the suicide last fall, and particularly the suicide of first-year Rutgers student Tyler Clementi, led to a moment where the President of the United States created a video for the It Gets Better project, and um, it, federal agencies began demonstrating the kind of leadership that I think will be required to deal with the issue of bias-based bullying and harassment in our schools. We're still in the mo we're in the middle of a process of change that came from that unbelievable low point. So we haven't crossed the finish line on some of the critical opportunities out there. Um, but I think in this movement um, and in our culture, it sometimes takes horror to create momentum for change, and and that's a difficult contradiction to live with. We'd like to help you cross that finish line. Our, our listener base is largely teachers and educators, administrators, people who care about reform. What are some action steps for, for us to help mm. listen? Well, I, I thank you for that opportunity. I, I'm going to point to a very local opportunity and then to one at the federal level that I think is really critical. We are currently engaged in something called the Safe Space Campaign. 
for many, many years, the Safe Space sticker has been one of our most popular resources. Now, what the, what the Safe Space campaign is about is getting a Safe Space kit into every single middle and high school in this entire country, 100,000 of them. And um, we launched it last fall. There are about 10,000 kits in the field now. What this is about is an individual educator getting the kit. You can find out how to do that at glsen.org on our website. Um, and first step, put up the sticker. Put up the poster. Let an individual student know. Let your student body know that uh, you're available as a source of support. And even if they never come to you, that there's someone there who cares. And then beyond that, the kit contains a booklet with information about how to take some next steps to reach out to your colleagues in the school and try to build a network of support for all the students who come through your doors every day. That's something you can do locally, individually, and then at the school level. At the national level, um, there are a couple of pieces of federal legislation that are really, really important to moving these issues forward. Um, there is the Tyler Clementi Act that deals with uh, anti-bullying measures for higher ed. There is the Student Non-Discrimination Act, which would create federal protections, non-discrimination protections for LGBT students in public schools. And there is the Safe Schools Improvement Act, which would require every school in the country that gets federal funding to have the kind of anti-bullying policy in place that correlates with better outcomes for students in terms of anti-LGBT behavior. The Safe Schools Improvement Act would require every school to have a fully enumerated anti-bullying policy, enumerating categories of bias-based bullying and harassment from race, religion, national origin, ability, sexual orientation, gender identity, sex, um, and any category relevant to the school community on top of the blanket requirement that bullying not be allowed. And um, please call your members of Congress and let them know that you support efforts to demonstrate federal leadership on these intractable issues. I would just mention the Safe Schools Improvement Act has bipartisan support in both houses. And um, with the reauthorization of the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, hopefully on the horizon, um, it's a key moment to get this done. We will do our best. It has been a pleasure. Dr. Byard, for being on the show. Thank you so much for coming and sharing. Well, no, it's a great pleasure to get to talk to your listeners, and thank you to all of the work that you all do every day in schools and as thought leaders uh, for education in this country. There's a lot of work for us all to do. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.